2: The Rockpile Report
3: with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder Drew Gear. Bills
4: make
2: me
5: um, wanna. I believe in the staff and the organization um, that they're going to fix the problem. And, um, I think what we got to understand is we got to block out all the negativity and. At the end of the day, this is our team as players. Um, forget what, what goes on outside the, the real world. We got to take over as players. And um, I know the coaches got a job to do, but we, this is our team. And um, that's how we got to treat it. And we got to have more leaders. And um, like myself, I got to step up and speak to the team. And I think um, that's what I got to do to get over that hump. And I think. Once we do that and come together as a complete team and and, um, a unit, we'll be all right.
1: Happy Festivus, everybody. Welcome to the Rock Pile Report. I'm Drew Gear. We've got Chris Krueger producing. And we've got our good friend Greg Trelone sitting in with the the show today. Happy to be back, Mr. Drew. (laughs) (laughs) And that was Sammy Watkins from his postgame on buffalobills.com. And he's got a strong point. I mean, I can't find fault in anything he's saying. Now, we've got a lot to talk about this week, but first and foremost, let me take a second to wish each and, every, you know, each and every one of you out there a happy, happy Festivus.
6: Hey! Happy Festivus, everyone!
1: Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Festivus, it's a holiday created by George Costanza's father. George Costanza being of the show Seinfeld, popular in the early 90s. Heard of a, it. <laughs> it's, a sh- it's a Festivus for the rest of us. It's basically a holiday that does not revolve around, you know, monetary things, possessions, exchange of goods, or religious beliefs. Instead, it's about acts of violence and, you know, basically telling everyone what you think about them. A lot of alcohol involved. It's a great time. I love it. I don't know about you. Back to Sammy's point. What? Do you, what's your take on that, Greg? I mean, I hear I, I hear him talking, and he sounds like a guy who's gotten so frustrated with his his, not only his role on the team but the direction of the team that I think he's now realizing he needs to step up because they there's kind of a leadership void
7: I gotta say I wasn't really that surprised by Sammy's comments it's not that surprising to see frustration boil over especially when you know earlier in the season he had he had uh you know complained I wouldn't say complained he had uh, was outspoken about his role on the offense but it's different because he went on to say um, it needs to be a business and we need nasty coaches. And if you're not going to do your job, cut him. Like that, very rarely do you see a player standing up for you know the business side of sports like that. And that's I, I don't know how much his words carry in the locker room, given that he is not only, what, 22 years old, 23 years old. Um, But it showed me that he's ready to step up and and be a leader for this team. And, you know, as much as you really don't want to hear comments like that because you want to be a good team and you want everyone to be sort of happy-go-lucky and everything, um, you know, in in times of adversity like this, I I was encouraged by what Sammy said. Yeah. I mean, it's –
1: I'm sure it carries well with fans. You know, fans want to hear their star athletes come out and say, "Listen," It'd be, be mad and demand accountability, and be yeah. pissed off about this type of stuff.
3: Well, I believe, even in the, in the intro that we had, he had said, "Maybe I need to say say more in the locker mm-hmm. room."
1: I think he's realizing he needs to – somebody has to grab the reins there.
3: And from what we saw on
1: Sunday, somebody clearly has to take control of this thing because what I saw on what I saw on Sunday, we're just going to refer to it as the disaster in the Capitol.
3: I like that we have. Craig here to discuss our first meaningless Bills game of the season. (laughs) (laughs) Which
7: are we talking about—the Cowboys game or the Redskins game? Because honestly, let's be real here:
3: the the Redskins game. It was our first. That was awful. It
7: was the first game where it didn't
1: matter. But they told us it
6: did. They told us. They told us it did.
1: Well, let's take a look at how much it actually matters. In the spirit of the holidays, I'm going to spare everybody out there a lot of the gory details that I usually get into. We're not going to hash statistics and everything else because, in all honesty, it doesn't help. It's right. not going to help me feel any better about this any more than it did, you know. What can I say other than our whole team might just as well have stayed in the locker room for the whole first half? Yeah, I... <laughs> And then our second half, we end up losing more players to injury. It's a the common theme of our season. I'm just trying to enjoy doing this today. <laughs> In the spirit of pessimists, we're going to be brief. So, my first point: the whole office offense struggled. The Bills finished, you know, the half the first half with negative passing yards for the first time all season. Negative nine passing
7: yards at the
1: end of the first half.
7: That right there tells the story of what happened in that game but yeah everyone's pointing a finger at the defense but where's this you know i I could probably go on for a while about this it's just i I don't hate tyrod taylor i don't want anybody to think that i don't like tyrod taylor i do like tyrod taylor and i think he's going to be the starter next year i think we agree almost guaranteed Mm -hmm. they're going into the offseason with him being the starter uh you know going into next year I want him to be there. I'm encouraged by what I've seen by him. He's supremely athletic. He's very accurate with his passes. He's very protective of the football. He stays composed. But when I need him to score points, he really hasn't done it. He does score points. Don't get me wrong. The Bills have a lot of touchdowns this year. But I've needed him to score points against the Giants. I needed him to score points against the Patriots in the last drive, against the Chiefs on the last drive, against the Eagles on the last drive. I needed him to score points in the first half against Washington. I I didn't have it.
3: Yeah. There's probably his one knock all year. He's never – we never got a signature win out of Tyrod Taylor this year.
1: It was usually the rest of the team dominating around him, and he kind of coasted – he assisted us in coasting. I mean, look at his stats. The guy doesn't – he's not a terrible quarterback. Not by any means. But I think the games where the team played good, he played good. And the the, the games where the team played bad, he played bad. I mean, the, the, we got beat on both lines this entire game. Our defensive line got shoved around in the first half. Our, did Got no pass rush. Our offensive line couldn't open running lanes. Yeah. So we didn't move the ball as effectively as we needed to. And on defense, that time we gave Kirk Cousins standing in the pocket, he pulled off his best Aaron Rodgers impersonation. 319 yards and four passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. I mean, on that run, that was the moment I decided to go watch the Carolina game. Because he ran through
7: our defense, and yeah. everyone stood there and watched him. I noticed a couple guys looked like they were—I'm not calling them out, but it looked like it was— I mean, when he rolled out to the right, I'm like, okay, well, they're kicking a field goal. Literally, that was the first thing I think, like, okay, well, at least we held him to a field goal. Nope. Runs right up through the middle of our defense, right up, right up the gut.
1: Give me—if you're a safety on the Buffalo Bills defense in that play— even care if you're not going to touch him give me at least a half-assed attempt at a shoestring tackle to make me think you care try it lay out for it and make me believe that you actually give a damn
3: you know I will never forget Kirk Cousins draft year watching ESPN and seeing Jaws openly say after the draft of Kirk Cousins saying I think this could cause a quarterback controversy in Washington With rg three, who was drafted three Uh, rounds prior. There's no controversy.
1: Yeah, there's no controversy anymore. In fact, I just saw a thing about that on Pro Football Talk a few minutes ago. How all the players over there, here's a quote from Trent Williams. He said, we're reaping the benefits of not having a circus around every day. No one... (laughs) Did you just call RG3 a circus? Yeah. He's so-and-so. This is the quote. It's helped. The offense came in and nipped everything in the bud. So-and-so, it's your team. Now it's your team. We finally have direction and ne- and know which way we're going and who we're going with. It takes out a lot of the uncertainty. I think the players were just as sick of the whole RG three drama as well. I think part of RG 3s problem is he came in he came in as a rookie with major contracts. He had sponsorships. He had all these things before he'd ever earned any of it. He backed it up. Yeah, the guy had a really he had good a really rookie good rookie season. season, and then he had a stubborn coach who assisted him in blowing out his knee. He was too stubborn to come out of that game. Yeah. I think it comes down to he was too stubborn to leave the game. He had a coach who was too desperate to win not to pull him, and so it, that knee injury took away all of his confidence.
3: And he doesn't want to run nothing but an option-based yeah. offense. He can't. He can't
1: learn to
3: be a pocket passer, like you
1: see. And maybe I'm not going to say never. I think that maybe if he took two more years and sat, look what look at Tyrod. When Tyrod came out of college the biggest knock on him was, oh, he can't throw the ball deep and he probably can't read an NFL defense. Okay, so he sat for years, and now he looks like a, a, a slightly above-average quarterback.
7: Uh, yeah, he can obviously throw the deep ball. Yeah, He's better than what we've had the last 15 years. Exactly. So
1: that right there speaks to the fact that I think that the Redskins are to blame for that whole issue, not, <laughs> not, not RG3. I think the Redskins' handling of that it, it could have been done better.
7: RG three, how many games does he win
1: for the Browns next year? <laughs> if he goes to the Browns, it'll be perfect. Just him and Johnny Manziel, yeah, that right? controversy can just play itself out all season, I, I, yeah. and the factory of sadness will drive its its fans to drink for another season.
7: Well, they have to pick somebody over there. I don't know we're 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 you know straying away from the the Bills thing here, but I mean the, the Browns have to pick somebody, and I. I don't think I, I would almost guarantee I guess that Patton gets fired. I
1: think if you showed up they might pick you right yeah like, I
7: mean, it's we have to laugh at it because there's really it's really the only other franchise that's, yeah that's they're hard. the only ones we can pick on It's like everyone like the Patriots just must stand back and what do you like what do you think the Patriots what do you think Patriots podcasts talk about? I talked to them I talked to the in fact the Pats
1: pulpit like their SB Nation website. there's a group of them that tailgate my lot. Two years ago, not this year, but the previous year, they had 60, almost 70 people come down from Massachusetts. There was a couple that that was part of their honeymoon, was to come there for that game. That's fun. And talking to those guys, though, at first I thought they were going to be jerk-offs. I did, because I have family members who are you know, who are Patriots fans from Boston, and they're jerk-offs. But talking to these guys, they came over, started talking to them as soon as they figured out I knew football. We started having intelligent conversations about it. And they were like, listen, you don't have a bad team, but you know you're going to lose. Like, you know it. The guy gave me a cigar. He goes, here. He goes, hang on to this. He goes, hang on to this. He goes, that cigar is, he goes, it's a $25 cigar. You hang on to it, and you smoke it after the victory. Needless to say, that didn't happen. And when I came out, when I came out, I was obviously dejected. I felt felt bad, and he just kind of gave me a wave and was like, hey, man, sorry about your luck. Why don't you hang on to that for next time? And I was like, you know, he's... The guy was being cool about it. They're not bad guys. I just think that they've gotten... Do you still have a cigar, by the way? No, I smoked the hell of it. <laughs> I went home, just drank asking. some whiskey, and smoked that cigar. And it was one of those things that... I think when you're a fan of the Patriots, they just come into every game expecting to win. That exactly. Especially against us,
7: because That's they know point. that... What do they talk about? Like they, We are dying for like the week uh, leading up to the playoff game. Like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Here we are, the Bills are playing whoever, the Bengals. The Bills are like, playing the Bengals and somebody's going to win the first playoff game for the first time in 20 seasons and whatever. And the Patriots come in and it's like, oh, well, who do you think we're going to play in the playoffs? Yeah. Like, What do they talk, like, what could they possibly talk about on podcasts? <laughs> they're like, oh, which was your favorite Super Bowl victory? What was your favorite play of the Super Bowl 39 or whatever? Like, hey, If there's anything we can say about the Bills, at least they keep it interesting.
1: Speaking of interesting, our linebackers in coverage. Another thing about our game this week that got us crucified. Last week I talked about how our decimated linebacking core and just the lack of depth at safety was hurting us and that led to a lot of play calling changes that had to be made and other things. We got abused by Jordan Reed. He's not, When you think of elite tight ends in the NFL, Jordan Reed's a good player. He's streaky. He ate us alive in that first half. He, I'll give Jordan Reed a he's, credit. When he's healthy, he's good. When he's healthy, but he's never healthy. Right. And he scored two touchdowns, one of which he just completely boxed our player out. It's like a basketball game. He just It was like Kirk Cousins just threw a chess pass to him, and he boxed our man out. Almost no, like almost no fight from him at all. It just got two feet down. It's, you know, the lack of coverage on the inside. That's why I guarantee you this position gets Here addressed in the offseason. Who were the linebackers? Preston Brown and s- Kevin Reddick. Kevin Reddick and AJ Tarpley. They brought that bum back. I did see him. Right. Oh, I thought I was just drunk. No, I'm like oh god, what's that? Oh, oh you saw him. Oh, the Christ. old five nine on the sweater. And that—that's—that
7: just staples my point to the wall right there.
2: I never heard of half of these guys. That—that—that's
7: well, it. You've just never heard of half of these guys. <laughs> Think like. And that well, that'll boil down to a point I like to make is the injuries. You hate using that as an excuse. Every team has injuries, I know, but the Bills have been really, really hampered by that this year. I mean, look at who's playing. We just mentioned Kevin Reddick and AJ Tarpley. Well, Powell was supposed
1: to be somebody who they thought could step in. He
7: tears his ACL and, in training camp, which is a huge loss of people. Tony really Stewart, mentioned.
1: a guy we drafted, he played well in his first game. Hurts his back. He's on the IR. I think he only
7: played like one or two drives. Yep. Yeah. All not- of these. Well, he he came in and he would. Re- I would rather have him out there than those guys. He got hurt in the Houston game, but he played the end of the Chiefs game right.
1: after okay. the Bradham injury, and he looked good. So it's another one of those things that you like. You said you hate to use it as an excuse, but you watch it. We sucked in every
7: phase of the right. game in that Who, first half. Who's T.J. Barnes? <laughs> played football for the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. T.J. Barnes. Google him. Let me know what you find. I. It, And the last thing I saw was just this sense of general
1: malaise. I talked about it when I was talking about them, just standing around watching him, watching Kirk Cousins run in for a touchdown. It looked like a bunch of guys who were already making golf plans and planning vacations rather than being this team that Rex Ryan promised was going to show up and fight. Okay? Does anybody remember that? I mean, you get a handful of players that showed up and made it a game late. There's guys who clearly on this roster who want to keep fighting. Yeah, but I'll be honest. Thanks to the Sunday ticket, I spent more time watching the Panthers Giants game than the Bills game, and I don't regret that one bit. You know, I saw that first half and I said, "Okay, if they're not going to give me anything, then I'm not giving them any more on my Sunday." I'm gonna watch. Re- I'm gonna watch a good football game, and you can call me a bad fan. You can
7: say what you want about that. I don't regret it one bit. Is there a bigger facepalm moment than not getting in on the one yard line? It's three, it's three plays in a row. Atrocious. Although it's funny if you look at the screenshot of that,
1: the ball, the nose of the ball is actually breaking the plane of the end zone when they when, it they, snapped when it. they snapped I know. it. When they snapped it. Oh my god! The hell! I, I, I'm not even gonna. Fu- my uncle tried bringing up the point. We had a family party. And I, later that night, and I just put my hands up when he brought it up. I'm like, I don't even want to talk about it. It's one of those things that doesn't matter. It doesn't I, matter. It's, the Bills are better from the 40 than they are from the 1. Well, his, my Uncle Brad made a very good point. You watch a team like the Patriots, and you know what they do? When they need that six inches, they line up, they snap the ball, and their quarterback dives forward under their center's ass for that six inches. Or that one yard. I think he's only never gotten it like twice in his career. So what we're doing is we're running it straight ahead, giving those big guys on the defense time to fill all those holes and stand up our linemen just to try to punch it. Unless you're going up and over, that's not a smart move. Bill Belichick does the smartest thing from a football perspective. He says, okay. I've already got an advantage because my guy's already here. No. He only has to go 6 inches. You're not walking backwards a full
7: yard to try to get 6 inches. It's stupid. And you don't see, and I didn't see Carlos Williams.
1: No. If you were going to run the EJ Manuel quarterback sneak, where the <laughs> hell did that play from? I don't want to see number 3 on the field touching a football ever again. <laughs> get him the hell out of here. I'm, when when I I looked, and I'm like, what the hell? Did Tyrod get
7: injured? And then they circled Tyrod down the on, thing. The, on the thing. Yeah, on the Wildcat type of and thing. And he yeah. fumbled
1: at the end of the play. Oh, got my he God. Was he down he was contact. down by
7: contact. It wasn't even close. But
1: Jesus Christ, that's what I'm talking about. E.J. Manuel. It worked, didn't nowhere. it?
7: Oh, I don't,
1: I don't give a damn whether it worked or not. The fact is I don't want to see that guy on the field touching my football
7: on offense. Look, I'll give you the second one. The second, one, the second time they ran that in that game, brutal. Just brutal. They tried to run, I don't know what it was, it was a read option with Gillisley. So there you go. There, there, that'll show you right there. You're running the EJ Manual Mike Gillisley, read option. And I, I don't know, this could be a, stra- a, a strategical thing. You could explain to me maybe. They pulled Glenn and Incognito, the left tackle on the left guard, and ran the read option to the left after pulling the left tackle and left guard. That couldn't, somebody got crossed up there. Tell me somebody got crossed up there, it had to. Why would you do that? They Obviously it gained no yards. <laughs> so maybe the play was just called wrong. Maybe it's a good play, maybe it's brilliant. Maybe, but but we'll never know
1: because once again they failed to execute something. At the end of the day, all I, what I know is that all I saw in D.C. was a group of guys who didn't realize that when kickoff like when kickoff happened they were in the middle of a football game and anybody looking at the box score or the scoreboard should you know d- don't let any of that fool you into
7: thinking that anything else happened because- you know you look at the box score and like this is part of it this, Tyrod Taylor's part of it is what I want to uh, point I want to make you look at the box score for Tyrod Taylor and you're like oh well you know 16 of 27 uh, two touchdowns 235 and others Almost eighty yards rushing—that's a pretty decent game. Do you think Tyrod Taylor played a good game on Sunday? I wouldn't classify it as such.
1: I don't know. I'm I'm trying to forget everything that I saw on Sunday. I, I understand. It was like a poke in the eye. It was. It was. It really is. It like, was
3: like a Ric Flair poke in the eye. It was
1: like the Ric Flair
3: poke Ooh. in the eye. When you
1: did, you didn't necessarily see it coming, but you also knew that it was fully like. Well, it was fully possible, entirely possible that this thing might happen. Then it get blown wide open. And then when it happened, you're still, oh god, that hurts.
7: I gotta tell you, you know, when after they get down twenty-one nothing, it's kind of like, oh well, this is, this is funny now. I can just watch this and laugh. But they continue to suck you back in, of course, with you know, uh, goal line possession. They kick a field goal, <laughs> down twenty-one to nothing. At that time, I was like, whatever. They just need to put points on the board. Don't get shut out. But I also didn't want them to lose 35-3 to either. But what was was funny to me is, this is going back to a previous point I made about them being better from the 40 than from the 1, when they got the penalty on the extra point or whatever, and then they went for 2 from the 1, I was thinking, oh, my God, they might just want to take the penalty from the 15 and run the play from the 10. (laughs) Run the two-point conversion from the 10, because that just seems like a better option for them to score on.
1: Yeah, their their short sure yardage game needs some work. I don't know what Greg Roman's doing, but I don't know what any of them are doing. It's it's a hell of a thing to watch just play out, and that brings us to our hero and zero of the week. This week it was hard because everything, like I said, everything was like a giant Ric Flair poke in the eye. But my hero of the week award goes to Jerry Hughes.
2: So that is why I am better than everyone in the world. Kiss my a- suck my a- everyone. I
1: picked Jerry not because of how he played on the field, but because all of the reports and the Twitter you know, the Twitter comments that were flying around about his, him just exploding on the sideline, throwing tables, throwing his helmets, screaming at his teammates, you know, that's you know, for all the dirt that I throw at that guy for taking stupid penalties, showing some fight and trying to light a fire under his teammates' asses when everyone is dogging it. That's commendable. Some, and I like
7: that. Yeah, somebody showed up.
1: That, I like that. that is. To win.
3: That's interesting that you, you was throwing tables because you like to throw coffee tables. I love to throw coffee tables. There's no coffee table that's safe if I'm if I'm really <laughs> excited.
1: I don't know why I, they're just easy to get under, and then all of a sudden it's flipped. And you feel like a badass, like you accomplished something, but in reality, the thing only just, weighed like forty five. And,
3: and then there's just a mess. And then there's
1: just a giant disaster.
3: I'm not kidding when I say when I, I lived in Atlanta, Bill's backers of Atlanta at Cheyenne Grill saw a woman flip a table.
1: That's awesome.
7: Drew
3: is to coffee
7: tables what Paul O'Neill was to Gatorade coolers for the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> and then this week's zero of the week. That award
1: goes to Rex Ryan.
6: Move this man!
1: I know what you're all gonna say. Oh, it's easy. Oh, he's bagging on the coach. That's unoriginal. Everyone's bagging on the coach. What I do you know, mean? but that's what I mean. It's easy to take shot, uh, take shots at a coach after a game like that. The thing that pisses me off the most about Rex Ryan right now is that this is the guy who got up there on the lectern and told us all that this team was going to fight. And I so, so badly wanted to believe it. I wanted to believe yep. that, okay, we're not going to the playoffs, but we're a team that can come out and still put on a you know a solid performance when we need to.
7: That was the one thing he promised us. Hey, they got promised, he's like, I like, to... promise you this team isn't going to quit. This whole season seems like one big broken. And I don't know if this. they, you know what? I don't, I, don't, I, I don't know if they quit. Maybe, maybe they're just not... That good. Maybe oh, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to admit that. Maybe they're just not that good, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like, zero of the week could have gone Leonis McKelvin. Am I wrong? You can. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, can't. could have gone AJ Tarpley, but he doesn't play that much. The
1: things I could say about Leotis McKelvin, right. he probably wouldn't understand most of them because the words would be too big and weren't accompanied
3: by pictures. But <gasps> I am not gonna comment further on <laughs> Thank I, God when we uh, cut Leotis this offseason, we already have his replacement, Ron yeah, Darby. Yeah. It's, it's bad.
7: Anybody want to talk about how bad Stephon Gilmore is right now? How, yeah. how, how bad do you want him back? Apparently somebody tweeted us talking about how...
3: Somebody tweeted it out, and I saw it, and I retweeted it, and this guy literally said, I'd rather have Ron Brooks than Stefan Gilmore. What? <laughs> what an idiot! Oh,
2: what a loser! That Ron
7: Brooks didn't play either, though. <laughs>
1: whoever, whoever you are out there, mystery commenter on Twitter, you are a moron. I feel like you should be loaded up into a cannon and then shot across a parking lot, like a Walmart parking lot, like one of those clowns at the circus
7: what part of that game would be like wow? At what part in that game? There you go. At what part in that game we're like, damn! If Ron Brooks was in this lineup right now, if only, if only Ron, Brooks, Ron Brooks. Ron Brooks. I like Ron Brooks too. Don't get me wrong. I do. I do. I, think, I like him. I think he's a, he's a really nice guy. I talk to him on the sidelines sometimes, and I don't hate his play that much. But when am I going to be like, damn?
1: We really need Rob Brooks on the field. Right now, all around Buffalo, people are hitting a knee and screaming upward to the skies, Rob Brooks, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? (laughs) Good Lord. Moving on. I want to know, have we seen the return of the bickering bills? That's possible. I mean, let's... Apparently, last week I talked about how we were going to, you know, Wednesday when we recorded this podcast, in the spirit of Festivus, we were going to support the airing of grievances. But Jesus, if they didn't all get the memo and beat me to the punch. Now, they all had something to say and some dirt to sling and some fingers to point. It started before the game even, even started. It, the snack talk started coming out in the media before kickoff. Reports about the Whaley fighting with the coaches over roster decisions, player usage. You know, he wants certain coordinators and staff replaced. And the coaching staff doesn't like it. Then comes the report that Terry Pagula is going outside of the organization to try to find help. He needs a, a football czar. He needs some I know it all president who can sit on the team and tell him how to fix this mess that he's got. Where Did you send him your resume? I absolutely will. Just to be funny, I'll 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 email it to him.
3: Make sure you put down uh, right on cue. And like clockwork, <laughs> here comes the police sirens. Did you make sure you put down on your resume that you play a lot of Madden?
1: <laughs> and then the game happened, and things really heated up with the players. You know, Rex Ryan got involved. I feel like everybody had something to say about it. I really think that. But but is this such a bad thing? You know, think about it. The bickering Bills—they had their year where everyone was talking smack, and then they went to four straight Super and then Bowls. They went to four straight Super Bowls. They found a way to pull it together. Now, like I said earlier, and as you heard in our intro, the comments coming out of the locker room immediately after the game—you yeah. know, there was a lot of them. And the common theme is that some guys don't think that other people on the team are working as hard as they should be. You start off with Watkins. You heard it. I think you said it. I alluded to it earlier. The the biggest thing I heard was it needs to be a business. It needs to be a business. And then if you're not going to do your, if you're not going to do your job, cut it. This is coming from a player on that team. These are his friends. These are his coworkers. And he's, he's willing to come out and say, if someone hears dogging it, I want that guy fired because it helps me to respect this organization more. You know, if you're not on my page, then I don't want you on my team.
7: That is the kind of thing you don't just say. That is the kind of thing, if you're going to call people out if saying, oh, if you're dogging it, I don't want you here. You don't say that unless you genuinely believe he even said somebody it. is dogging it.
1: He even figured, if he says, if I'm not doing my job, step to me and get me out of here. He's willing to put that sense of accountability on himself, and I think that's the biggest thing that this team needs is accountability. You've got Mario Williams. They went and stuck a microphone in his face, and he had this to say.
6: You know, it's it's crazy. Um, once again, you know, you start a game and you're trying to switch personnel. You know, as they're coming out of the huddle, I'm. I i do not know, man. I don't know if it's. I don't know who in the world is calling. Uh, you know, saying what personnel they're in or whatever, or how it's that confusing. But apparently, it is because, like you said, it's game in, game out. I mean, I don't. You know, my my mindset is. Uh, if you're a tight defense, if you're if you're going to be a bullying on the field, you don't let anything else dictate what you do. We're gonna put who we're gonna put out there, and then we're gonna be able to uh, execute and and uh, make plays with the guys out there. I, mean, I, don't, I don't care. I don't need to wait on you to you know make a decision. And, and whoever is seems to be missing you know personnel, so that we're actually trying to switch. We're trying to switch men. It's not we're trying to switch play. We're trying to switch men as they're coming out of the huddle. I I mean. That's happened a few times in 10 years with me. A few times. That's 10 years. But like you said, game in, game out. I, I don't know how in the world that keeps happening. So
7: That
1: sounds like, that sounds like to me a massive knock on this coaching staff.
7: Uh, I, I would agree. It's, and it's not typical of a guy like Mario Williams to be outspoken like that. He tends to stay pretty quiet. He shies away from the media. He'll talk if they ask him to. Uh, and for him to be that outspoken... You know, he tried to clarify those comments, um, you know, Wednesday, saying that he, uh, oh, I, I'm just, you know, I can't remember what he said exactly. He was like, I'm not being critical of the coaching staff. He's like, I'm just sort of, you know, voicing what I'm seeing and stuff like that, just telling you how things are, being honest with what you're asking me. I'm thinking, well, you know, you might be doing that, but <laughs> subtly you're kind of Sounds taking – Sounds critical. Right, you're, you're sounding very critical. Well, and then in response – They asked Corey Graham
1: what he thought about what Mario Williams said. And he came back with this quote. Obviously, he's got his opinion on everything. Speaking of Mario Williams. You know, in this league, when things are not going your way, everybody's negative. I mean, that's just how it is. But as a professional, as a defensive guy, you have to just go out there. Do your job. Do what they ask you to do. And do it to the best of your ability. I mean, don't worry about things like that. We've got to win as a defense, as a team. We've got to do whatever it takes to win. And if it means dropping into coverage, you've got to do it sometimes.
7: (laughs) Sounds like Corey's kind of telling him to stop crying and shut up and play football. Right. For a while there, he was like, well, Mario can say what he wants. He's like, but here's what I think. And then he gets back to Mario. It really wasn't. To me, it didn't really seem like a shot at Mario until he was like, if it means dropping in coverage, because obviously Corey Graham's dropping in coverage. He's not Mm -hmm. rushing to pass around every play. Um, you know, so he does sound like he's taking a little bit of a, a shot at Mario there. And that's coming from Corey Graham, who I, is his roster spot safe? I wouldn't say so at all. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's another guy, a veteran player in this league. He's been around. And he's had a really rough month. Uh, yeah. I, 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 like He was beat on the Aguilar touchdown against uh, Philly. And, I mean, they've been beat deep a couple times the past couple weeks.
1: So then on Monday, they came to Eric Wood. And they asked Eric Wood what he thought. And Eric Wood's response to all of the, because now people are starting to pick up on these post-game comments. And now, you know, what reporters do, they they ask questions. So someone asked Eric Wood about everything that was out there. And his response was, to win in this league, you've got to be all in together on effort, scheme, everything. I don't think we were going into that last game based on the, you know, I don't think we were going into that last game based on post-game comments. I believe that continuity and being together is important.
7: I think Eric Woods carries, you know, a little bit of weight. His voice carries a little bit of weight in the locker room too. Mm-hmm. I think I mean, he's the Walter Payton man of the year. Uh, he's your pro bowl alternate. He's your center.
1: I think he's uh, trying to he, hold this whole thing together. You know, Fred Jackson's gone. It used to be him. It used to be Fred Jackson guys like Kyle Williams.
7: Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because well, the Kyle is probably not in the locker room as much being on IR. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. Yeah, I could be wrong, but I don't I never I, see him on the sideline. Right. And then the the loss of Fred now I from a football perspective Whatever, okay. I'm not gonna argue with you about why they cut Fred Jackson or whatever. That's not what I'm trying to do. But you really can't argue the fact that he sort of held down that locker room, and now he's not there. So now you got a couple guys who might be sort of ego tripping. Mm -hmm. Clearly, you do, and it's starting to boil over in the media, which you know happens with frustration with losing seasons, the the repetition of losing. The frustration boils over. It boils over with fans. But now this is the first time, at least in my lifetime,
0: that I've
1: heard it from the players. Preston Brown called out the coaching staff for constantly trying to change personnel. I mean, you heard Mario talk about it. ESPN wrote an article about it, and they touched on the fact that the Bills struggled throughout the course of the entire season to get the right people on the field. And according to the defensive play caller, it's because, you know, Preston Brown,
5: it's because the directions coming from the box didn't seem to make any sense. I and mean, here's here's a clip. Uh, I'm not sure what happened. I mean, I'm not sure who'll be here, me, I don't know who's going to be here next year. We just... Uh, I mean, what Mario said with the with the personnel coming in. I mean, it has been an issue with the appeal up in the box. I don't know who is getting it in because I'm getting the calls extremely late. But I mean, that happens. We know that guys running people in and out. I mean, it's been happening a lot this year. But. I mean, the changes, I I can't say what will happen. I'm not upstairs. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going out there and try to play my hardest these last two games. Uh, I mean, I don't know who's bringing the personnel up on the box. I don't know who that guy is. But, I mean, we talked about the means and said it's been an issue with uh, the personnel coming in and out because you see, I mean, you can see it on the games. People are running in and out. We're changing plays here and there. So it's definitely been an issue. And, I mean, the Texans scored a touchdown on us. We're running on the field. So it definitely has been an issue, and there's something that shouldn't happen on the NFL level.
1: I mean, that's him again. It sounds like another knock on a portion of our coaching staff. Blatantly saying, listen, somebody up there in the box is supposed to be doing his job and he's getting the calls down slow. Or he's making decisions that don't seem to make sense because other teams are coming out of the huddle
7: faster than we can get our guys in the field and no one can get set. And, and Mario, this is where I don't care. There's a bit of a disconnect here. There's uh, clearly a disconnect between the coaching staff and some of the defensive players. But even in between the comments there, you, know, you sort of read between the lines that Mario said, "Well, not he's like not he's like I'm not even talking about plays. I'm talking about men getting in and out of the field." And Preston Brown brought it up just there, um, but he said he wasn't getting the play calls, which you know Mario didn't exactly reiterate. It's just that the Bills substitute more than any other team I think I've ever seen. Like, why do they substitute defensive linemen so much? They did it last year too with Schwartz, and even before with Penn. I. Marcel Darius is coming off the field on like third downs and stuff like this. Like I've just seen that they cycle defensive linemen like crazy, and I know I get it. You need to run a different personnel for nickel dime four, or, you know four three three four four six whatever they're going to run. But jeez, like why is substituting so
3: difficult? I don't know. It, it you can look at the Houston touchdown. Yeah, well, well Brown brought, hey, brought, brought it up. Brown brought up that was a a that was a penalty on Houston. For not being seventh, that yeah, doesn't be matter right. because
1: we don't have our guys in place to play. That's egregious. If the other team's within
7: striking distance of your
1: end zone. You
7: you get your asses on the field and get set. I think think there was a substitution question with Rex there too because mm-hmm. the Texans substituted, so he thought he would have equal time to substitute, and then the refs gave some nonsense explanation. But you know, what, you know, going on the the Texans game. I'm sorry, did you want to say something? No. Go ahead. Okay, all right. I'll continue. The uh, NBC Sports runs a program called Turning Point, NFL Turning Point. They show um, some of the mic'd up guys, um, you know, the audio from the games and stuff. And right at the end of the game, it might have been coming out of the timeout, I don't remember. Um, I think it was the fourth down downplay uh, for the, the Texans, and the Bills ended up kicking a field goal, making it 30 to 21, you know, subsequently thereafter. But Rex is talking to his guys. On the, I think he's talking to Corey Graham and Preston Brown. I'm pretty sure they were both there. He's like, we can run this, and we or we can run that, and I don't know what the play call was exactly, but he made one sound like a coverage play and one sound like like a, let's go get the quarterback an attacking play. So right there, he's giving the option to the players. So I don't really see where they can, you know, point the finger at coaching and like. And granted, this is just one play. Well, this is one play that leads me to my next one. Rex Ryan. Rex
1: Ryan came back with a quote of his own, saying, "This is the National Football League." And unless we get a heck of a lot better, there's going to be changes. That's what I told him. There's going to be drastic changes. And he had this to say about a secondary.
2: Pretty much an awful performance. I, I think when you, when you look at it, I don't know how else to describe it, especially on defense. The thing that was probably the biggest disappointment to me was the um, – it looked like we lacked confidence, uh, in particular in the back end. And I think that was, that was a, a thing that really contributed, in my opinion – to the performance that we had. Wow.
1: It's calling out your secondary. They're banged up. They're playing undermanned. I mean, what more do you want from these guys?
2: They're smoking like a true asshole.
1: Now, all those clips, all those interviews came from buffalobills.com. Yeah, Chubbs
7: didn't. <laughs> what? Chubbs didn't come from buffalobills.com. No, no, Chubbs didn't.
1: Chubbs did not come from buffalobillscom no chubbs did not did not come from buffalobillscom Although I kind of wish he had. What the hell is
7: going on here, Greg? Everyone's pointing the finger somewhere else. Well, I mean, at what point are the players actually – got to hold the players accountable for something. Rex, is he's got this reputation as a player's coach. Okay, so he calls out the secondary a little bit, but, like, yeah. The secondary played, like, complete trash on Sunday. All of them. It, Darby was maybe the exception. He didn't play great, but he played the best of the four. Corey Graham, terrible. Uh, Bakari Rambo, terrible. Ron Brooks? McKelvin, terrible. Ron Brooks, Ron Brooks not present, <laughs> unfortunately. It's just like the, Rex will fall on the sword for anyone at any time. Like he's he always says, "Blame me. This is my fault. It's my fault they're not prepared." And that's why fans like to point the finger at him. But like, look at what he's got. Like, I we, going back to the injuries that I said earlier. Like, this isn't. This is a shell of what we thought we were going to see this team defensively. Bradham hasn't been there recently. Gilmore's missed the last two games. He's going to miss the next two. Kyle Williams has been out since, like, October, like, all throughout November. Yeah. Cincinnati. And Aaron Williams. They're 2-1 with Aaron Williams in the lineup. They beat Tennessee and uh, Indy, and they lost to uh, New England, which they always do anyway. Mm. I don't know. Maybe Aaron Williams is a big deal. It I could be. Aaron Williams only played once, like, five snaps in that game. Yeah, in the Tennessee game. Exactly. Whatever. It's... This isn't what this isn't the plan. Well, they're missing guys at every level. Quote.
1: There was one last quote that came out today from Nigel Bradham that summed everything up. He was talking to uh, Mike Rodak of ESPN, and he had this to say: "You know, all this finger pointing and stuff like that—that's the first thing that got to go. I think we just got to get on the same page. The blame game only going to take you so far. Now, I don't know what any of you out there think. And I don't know what any of you at this table think. You know, as far as." players coaches everyone just with a brutal sense of honesty but i gotta admit i love it i think it's fantastic
2: good great brand, wonderful
1: i mean i love it i think that this is the type of stuff that you need you know it can only bring out the best in this team because we can't get any worse
7: <laughs> there's nowhere to go oh, it can, the question can it get worse the answer is always yes <laughs> Trust Man. me, it can Bills get fan. worse.
1: I'm a Bills fan. I should know that. I mean, this team needs to find its leaders. You know, they need to, and this is the process you have to go through. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's quiet, and sometimes it's easy, and guys just fluidly step into place and kind of become. Li- and then sometimes it's messy, right? And it's ugly, and you got to find some people who are willing to rise above all this. And kind of help carry this team out of this hole that
7: they've dug. And is it sort of better that it's happening now? Yeah. It might as well be happening now. They're not going to the playoffs. Year it's one not the beginning of, of the season. Year one of Rex's tenure, he's going to be here. He's not going anywhere. That's a huge point. So, I mean, the Rex firing thing, that's a huge thing. How many years have the Bills missed the playoffs consecutively? 16. 16. How many years has the Rex Ryan Bills missed the playoffs consecutively? One. We have one. Everyone is so I, – I get it. You know, the fans, they're, they're mad. They need, they need a fall guy. Rex Ryan's a fall guy. But why do you want to fire this guy? Like, why, there's, there's a pretty good contingent of fans that want to fire the guy.
1: All I know is Sammy Watkins has already admitted that he has to do – he knows now that he, by this point in his second pro season, he knows without a doubt that he has to do more and be more to this football team. And that's guys standing up for your coach. And my guess is going to be that he's not the only guy on that. He's not the only guy on that bench, and the only guy on that fifty-three man roster who's realizing that it's on them. It's on them to, you know. I got to be the one to say something. I got to be the one to step up and try to be an example. Push people a little bit harder. Push the guy next to me. You know, I think someone should bring in Al Pacino to talk to him and give him some of that any given Sunday speech.
2: All comes down to today. Either we heal as a team we're gonna crumble inch by inch play by play till we're finished we're in hell right now gentlemen believe me and we can stay here get the shit kicked out of us or we can fight our way back into the light we can climb out of hell now i can't make you do it, it you gotta- Who will go that inch with you. Hell yeah. You're going to see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're going to do the same for him. Hell yeah. That's a team, gentlemen. Hell yeah. And either we heal now as a team or we will die as individuals, That's football, guys. (laughs) That's all it is. I
7: don't think there's a Bills fan that would hear that. Like, if just you know, if you were matter-of-factly to watch any given Sunday and hear that and be like, "Wow, that—that's probably what the Bills need to do." Like, that's an immediate thing thought that came to my mind. It's—I mean, it's aptly played right here on the podcast. It's, just, it's all I could think about when I was reading all these quotes.
3: So we need to fire Rex Ryan and hire Al Pacino, is what you're saying. Whoa. Slow <laughs> down over there. Like, I just...
7: To get on the, the Rex thing, if I could just sort of, you know, almost finish up with a good point here. Like, look at, like, the, the every team takes stupid penalties. Every team makes stupid challenges. And... Like, look at Arizona. Arizona took some stupid penalties on Monday or on Sunday night. They won by 23. Like, you know why? Because they have a good quarterback. That's what it is. Like, they have Carson Palmer who can sling the ball left and right. And again, I'm not knocking on Tyrod Taylor, but the problem is and has been quarterback. And that still is sort of the major question. You think you have your guy right now. I'm encouraged, but he needs to be better. Am I wrong? He needs to be better. I think, that, I think it's bigger
1: than that. I think that you could put the— I mean, you saw what happened to the Cardinals team last year, right? They went into the playoffs. They lost their quarterback. They lost a bunch of games, limped into the playoffs, and got beat. They got beat— With Ryan Lindley at quarterback. With Ryan Lindley at quarterback. But they got there because they had a great team. And they made that playoff game interesting because they had a great team. It's a bunch of guys that are going to come together and play for the same cause. Thurman Thomas said it earlier this season. That he did. He, that was his one thing that he saw that he didn't see on any of the Bills championship teams. Was that there was no cohesive team. It was a bunch of guys out there trying to play by themselves. You can't have it. You can't have it. We need to, This team needs to gel. And hopefully this season, the ass-kicking we've taken the kick in the teeth that they got, you know, that they've received. They thought they were I think they came into this season thinking that they were going to be better than they were. Uh, everybody did. I think the players believed it too much and it didn't fall into place because they got outworked by people. They they found out that it doesn't just happen that smoothly. It doesn't happen that quickly. You got to want it. You got to work for it. And hopefully this is what brings them all together. Folks, Greg has some prior obligations that he's going to end up. He's, he's got to leave. Yeah, he's it's other it's football stuff. I know. Trust I know me. you guys are all so sad to see him go, but um, you, you know, if you if you like what you're hearing, go check out his YouTube channel. I mean, he puts out some
7: videos every week. I appreciate mean, I started that. watching them, and they're good. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is a lot of fun, and hopefully, uh, as off
3: season goes on draft free agency oh, absolutely. Yeah, clearly they're, you're they're giving anytime. us a lot to
7: talk about yeah. so you're welcome in yeah, uh,
3: give everyone your uh youtube link and uh twitter handle
7: oh my uh, twitter handle is g-t-o-r-l-o-n-e g-t-o-r-l-o-n-e sorry um and that is my youtube username as well you can find me on both i talk to everybody about football and all sports pro wrestling everything and I answer just about everybody. Except
1: he hates LeBron James.
7: I despise the guy. <laughs> That's
1: thanks true. For, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Hey, everybody. We've got a real treat for you today. I've got with us right now Kyle Smith. He's joining us from his podcast. He produces with his brother called AFC East Bros. It's a really cool format. I like the idea. Two brothers doing a podcast together. They both love two different teams in the same division. They take call-ins from local fans. It's a great time. Kyle, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about how how you and your brother started this entire podcast.
4: Yeah, Drew. So basically, my brother and I, we would always just be talking about the AFC East, being that I'm a big New York Jets fan and he's a big Buffalo Bills fan. So naturally, we could just go on for hours just talking about the teams. And, you know, we're, we're two guys that we were, we're so passionate about our teams that, you know, it'd be a week 16, week 17 game. And both of our teams being that the Jets and the Bills by and large haven't been very successful in recent years. And we would still go to the stadiums, but so we always had that passion. And we're, we figured like I started getting really into podcasting because I felt like I was able to consume information much more better. Like, you know, rather than just listening to local talk radio.
1: But now i got to get down to brass tacks. i got some questions about the AFC East. All right? Now, first off, you're a Jets fan. So maybe you can tell me, what does is, what is the New York area think of Todd Bowles? Okay. Where does the, specifically, I guess my question is, where does the team go from here? Can they grow with what they have in place right now? You know, you've got older receivers in Decker and Marshall. You've got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's a career journey, journeyman. Chan Gailey. I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's proven he can be a good offensive coordinator, but not a head coach. But in his current position, he might be able to succeed. Have the Jets seen their ceiling this season? Or do you think that there's still room to grow, even though the roster is a bit older? I think
4: there's room to grow this season. I think they're improving week to week. But like you said, I mean... You know, Some people thought, oh, you know, the Jets, you know, new rookie head coach, new rookie GM, this is kind of maybe a, a rebuilding year. I mean, no, the Jets are in win-now mode. I mean, Darrell Rivas, he's 30 years old. And let's be honest, cornerbacks is one of those positions where you really age quickly. Once you get in your 30s, you're kind of, I wouldn't say a dinosaur, but you're getting up there. Well, I think so, everyone
1: remembers what happened to Champ Bailey when yep. he hit that, when he turned that corner and they said, okay, you can't play corner anymore. you got to try to be a safety, and it just killed him. It just, just killed, him. killed
2: him.
4: Yeah, and even Woodson, I mean, like, you know, he, he was very good well into his 30s. But, you know, eventually mm-hmm. you just – when you start to lose that athletic ability and you can't keep up with those faster receivers anymore, and we started to see that with Rebus this year. I don't think anyone's going to call DeAndre Hopkins a burner. But no. nevertheless, he beat Revis downfield. He beat him clean. You know, Sammy mm-hmm. Watkins, young, you know, super athletic guy. We saw him – you know, if Tyrod Taylor throws a better ball, which we've started to see him do in recent weeks – you know, you're talking about the first possession for Buffalo. Sammy Watkins is going, you know, what, 70 yards downfield for a touchdown at MetLife Stadium. Yeah. Thursday Night Football.
1: Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think that it's, when you talk about the people thinking it's a rebuilding season, I never thought that. I figured here's a coach who has a great defensive mind, who's inheriting a team that still has a ton of talent on that side of the ball. As well as some upgrades to the offense that his predecessor didn't get. You know, he had, you know, he had Eric Decker, but Eric Decker, in nobody's mind, was a, was a valid number one receiver. And I added, and maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. I just never thought he was the answer. And then when you guys got Brandon Marshall in the offseason, I said, okay, now Eric Decker becomes dangerous because Brandon Marshall's over there.
4: And I mean, I think Decker actually had a pretty decent season last year, all things considered. I mean, he had Mm -hmm. Juno Smith throwing him the ball and he still managed to rack up almost a thousand yards receiving. And, uh, and he did miss a significant time last year. He he injured his hamstring early in the preseason and kind of battled with that all the way up until late last season. So Decker was very productive, but I, I think I would agree with you that he's not a, a true number one. He's always kind of been a better when he's in that, that number two role. And actually, Decker's played the vast majority of his snaps in the slot this year, mm-hmm. which is what we saw. Chang'e likes those big slot receivers, yep. um, just like what he did with David Nelson, who's six five in his own right.
1: <laughs> you know David Nelson.
4: Hey, David Nelson was also a Jet man. Oh, I, I, remember, I, I remember. I remember, my Gary, my brother, who's also the co-host of our podcast, he was just say, "Oh, I can't wait till David Nelson smokes Kyle Wilson." Kyle Wilson was our former first-round pick, five ten, out of Piscataway, New Jersey, and he's just he was a bust to say the least. Mm-hmm. And uh, David Nelson cooked him up a couple times. The Dolphins.
1: My question, you know, Chris wanted to talk about Dan Campbell. I think we can all agree that Dan Campbell is not a head coach. He's not a viable option as a head coach in the NFL, not right now. Maybe at some point in the future, but I just don't see him landing that job long-term. My biggest question for that team is Lamar Miller. You know, they're, they're a team that clearly has to rebuild that defense because that defense has been exposed in almost every game that they played in this year. They have a playmaker, a real weapon at the running back position, and yet sometimes, I mean, I had him in fantasy football this year. I'll vouch for it. There's some games like last week where he got into a fight with the coaches at halftime and then didn't see a touch, just didn't see a touch for the second half.
4: Yeah, and some of that is, you know maybe it's the Dolphins brass you know realizing the season is out of hand they have no shot at the playoffs and you want to see what you got in a young guy Jay Ajayi because Lamar Miller they know he's going to be a free agent and they know he's going to want good money he's got Drew Rosenhaus, I believe is his free agent as, as, his, as his agent so you know Jay Ajayi was a guy that many people were saying this guy is a second round talent he went in the fifth round because of some knee issues but let's see what we got in him um but yeah Lamar Miller you know um I was out saying that I think the guy might get $7 million on the open market. My brother thinks I'm crazy. He thinks he's going to get closer to Ryan Matthews' money, what he signed with the Philadelphia Eagles this offseason. But we were going back and forth then. Listen. At the end of the day, Lamar Miller—he's a young running back, twenty-four years old. He gives you something out of the passing game. He's gotten better every single year. Uh, I don't think he's a great running back, but I'm just saying salary cap increases. I could see him getting seven million a year. And you know, some people are saying maybe he'll take a hometown discount because he also went to the University of Miami. I don't know if I see that happening. Uh, I could definitely see Lamar Miller
1: hitting the open market for sure. New England—they're a team. Obviously, as always, they win the division. They, they, they've won it again, as they usually do. Now the question becomes, with all of these injuries, it seems like every game there's a new injury that pops up. This last week, they were cruising through that Tennessee game, and then Danny Amendola goes out with a funky knee and yeah. catches almost nothing. With all their injuries, is New England still a lock to win the AFC?
4: I wouldn't say that they're a lock to win the AFC, and that's the biggest reason why I wouldn't say they're a lock is because of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is a scary team. I don't think anyone wants to play them. And I think if you're a Patriots fan, you almost kind of wonder, like, do you let the Jets win this game? And this is, of course, they're not going to do that. But let's just say hypothetically, let the Jets win this game, give them a chance at making the playoffs, and maybe the Steelers lose one of their next two. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. So the Steelers don't make the playoffs. That's just a bunch of hogwash. That's never going to happen. But the reason why I'm saying that is because teams have to be scared to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. That offense is just playing out scary. And just think about it. They don't even have Le'Veon Bell. Imagine if they did have him. So are they a locked to win the AFC? No. Um, and that's actually why I'm very confident for the Jets to go into this next game is because of the injuries. No Julian Edelman. No Danny Amendola. When you don't have those guys – those guys allow Brady to get the ball out in 2.1 seconds like he did against you guys in week two where he carved you up for some yards of offense,
1: 40 points. He crucified us. It was embarrassing how little pressure we were able to generate.
4: Yeah, and it's not because that offensive line was particularly good. It's just because in that short amount of time, no defensive lineman is going to get to the quarterback. Nope. So – But when he doesn't have those guys, it makes him hold on to the ball longer. And therefore, you see the deficiencies in that offensive line. And I think the Jets will be able to expose that. That's what gave uh, us a shot in
1: our second game. So if anybody can expose that at this point in the season... I mean, he took some hits last week against the Titans. I'll say if anyone can expose that weakness, it's your team. It really is.
4: Yeah, kind of built similarly to the Bills in that the strength is their defensive line. And they do... um, they do have a relatively strong secondary. I mean, I know you guys were bashing the Bills secondary in your last show, but let's be honest. When you guys had Gilmore and Darby, I mean, those were one of the best cornerback tandems in the league.
1: I guess the last team to talk about is the Bills. And as a Jets fan, I'm sure that it's, you know, I'm sure you find this humorous. <laughs> the fact that Jet, you know, the Rex Ryan came here with you know all full of piss and vinegar he promised. He promised a lot of things. He made everyone all excited, and he sold a record number of season tickets. And then we just dropped the ball at every at every opportunity. Dropped the ball.
4: Yeah, and and the crazy thing about it, Drew, is that Rex Ryan probably had the best quarterback play that he's ever had. You know, I mean, he's talking Mark Sanchez, Geno Smith. I mean, Tyrod Taylor really kept the turnovers down. That was the main problem with the Jets is they they weren't great at scoring. They never were, but they had effective running games. But the biggest problem they had was turnovers. I mean, Mark Sanchez would have, you know, 20 interceptions in a season and compare that to maybe 17 touchdowns or something like that. I mean Mm – it was just bad, and also all the fumbles and stuff. Tyrod Taylor really kept the turnovers down for you guys, and he showed the fact that he could stretch, he could you know run every now and then, convert on a third down, scramble for a touchdown, throw a beautiful bomb to Sammy Watkins. But the Bills are still losing games, and the defense has been the disappointment.
0: Exactly. And,
4: yeah, I kind of do look at it as being somewhat humorous, but at the same time, I also kind of feel a little bit bad. I feel bad for my brothers because like. You know what? I I like Rex Ryan. I really do. I liked what he did for us with the Jets. He's one of the best Jets coaches that we've had. Let's just be honest. He brought us to back-to-back AFC championships. Made us relevant. But when you saw the last four years, it just looked like he he lost his mojo and teams started to adjust to him. It just didn't seem that he was maybe fit for the job. You know, I could think of, like, what's got to be frustrating for you guys is you guys have played the Patriots well. You've played a lot of teams well, but then you go out and you get smoked by a Kirk Cousins. And it's like, what the heck? Why are we losing to these garbage teams? Why are we just getting dominated by the Philadelphia Eagles when in back-to-back weeks they give up 45 points You know, to garbage teams? And and that was the thing for me that always killed me with Rex Ryan. Like Even that season, the 2010 season, the, the second year we made it to the AFC Championship, you look at that. We were winning nail biters week in, week out. We played back to back weeks, overtime games against the Detroit Lions and the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> teams that we should be blowing out of the water. And that and, and that was kind of the frustrating thing for me. Another thing, you guys must have been. I know you guys must have been just dying when you guys played the Kansas City Chiefs and Alex Smith was torching you guys deep. I mean, that who week, saw that coming?
1: That week in during my podcast. I said the one thing that makes me confident about playing him is that he had the lowest completion percentage in the NFL on deep passes. And then he comes out and makes me eat an entire crow. Not not just, not just a bite or two, the whole thing. By just okay. stuffing it down our throat with Jeremy Macklin. It was okay. unbelievable.
4: And that was probably Darby's worst game, and Darby's been great for you guys. But yeah, that must have been a tough game to watch. So I mean, like, yes, like I, I do like Rex and stuff, and I kind of feel a little bad for my brother. But at the same time, like it's it's there is that bittersweet uh, kind of rewarding feeling to me in the sense that hey, listen, maybe my team, the Jets, did make the right move in getting rid of this guy.
1: <laughs> I was afraid you'd say that. <laughs> Well, Kyle, it's been fun. Now I have one final question for you. In the spirit of Festivus, we're airing our grievances. What's your grievance that you want to air about the 2015 New York Jets? Bobby
4: April, I mean, you're talking, we gave up a punt return for a touchdown against the Eagles. We lost by a touchdown in that game, week three, at home. We gave up a punt return for a touchdown against the New York Giants. Almost lost that game that went to overtime. And we almost gave up a kick return for a touchdown in overtime. We've not been able to tackle on special teams. Jarvis Landry uh, has gashed us. You know, Randy Bat-Bullock, you know, he's missing extra points and he's missing field goals out in Dallas. And, you know, we're going down to the wire against the Dallas Cowboys. Our special teams has just been god-awful this year.
1: All right. Well, from the Rock Power Report, this has been AFC East Bros. If you want to give a shout-out to your Twitter handle and uh, maybe where you guys post your podcast.
4: Yeah, so you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter at AFC East Bros. And you can follow my brother at AFC underscore East Bro Gary. He's got to get more active on Twitter, but I guarantee you start interacting with him more, and he will do that. Um, But, yeah, we look forward to interacting with you guys. At the end of the day, you guys will are the ones that drive our show. It's a fan-driven show. So we look forward to hearing you guys on there. Definitely call in.
1: Awesome, Kyle. Thanks for coming on, buddy. We we appreciate it. And there you have it, folks. Everybody's got a bone to pick. But why should we let them have all the fun? Eh? This is a season for celebration. And by celebration, I mean the time-honored Festivus tradition, the airing of grievances.
2: The tradition of Festivus begins... With the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it.
1: Last week, I opened it up to our Reddit, Twitter, and Bill Zone fan forum followers and asked everyone to tell us what was the one thing that really just ground down their gears. And now we're going to read
3: and toast to some of them. Well, this is all their grievances but not missing the playoffs because that's been a common theme the last 16 years.
1: Oh, that's our life. That's that, that's what makes us Bills fans. The fact that we still root for a team that's missed the playoffs. Let the festivist celebration commence. <laughs> 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 so first off, ready user Colin W727 writes the fact that we cut Fred Jackson and didn't make the effing playoffs.
2: It's a Festivus
1: miracle. Not a festivist. You know, it's a miracle is that he landed up with a team that made the playoffs. Fred Jackson's going to make the playoffs for the first time in his entire career, and it's not going to be wearing a Buffalo Bills helmet. That makes me sick to my stomach. User Buff- Reddit user Logic writes: EJ Manuel doing just enough to mess up our season. Again,
2: Festivus is back.
1: <gasps> oh God, it just gets harder and harder to read these guys. You're killing me. Billzone user Yardrat writes, "Having Ryan as a head coach tops a list of many options." God, you're salty on Rex Yardrat, but you know what? I can't argue with you. He seems like he let everything just go to hell. Everything we had built just went to hell under his reign. But it's rest of us. Oh, we'll drink to that. Oh, James, spelled J-A-M-E-Z, 132, says the biggest disappointment was Rex talking blank again and not backing it up. He got the players so hyped to play the Patriots they flat-out embarrassed themselves with penalties, and it carried over all season. James, I think we can all agree that penalties were probably one of the most unbearable parts of this entire season.
3: I don't know. uh, I'd go penalties and Marcel Darius dropping into coverage. God, if I see it again,
1: I'll jab out my own eyes. With those wooden shrimp skewers that they sell for like $1.50 at tops. It's going to get ugly over here. Reddit user Victor7 writes... What Rex did is the equivalent of taking Miss Universe and making her look ugly. That takes some serious effort to pull off.
3: That's probably the best of any of the comments that we got that we put out over the last week about our 2015 grievances with the Buffalo Bills.
1: I don't know, my winner out of all out of all of the out of all of the submissions we got, my favorite. User the little king writes that from Reddit fi- writes that I find myself lamenting that I've finally turned the corner and I'm no longer capable of feeling happy.
2: It's a Festivus miracle.
1: <sighs> oh! What is your grievance? My <laughs> grievance. My grievance is that Dennis Thurman hasn't fallen down a well somewhere
3: like baby it's, Jessica like
1: baby Jessica didn't fall down a well somewhere and get lost sometime around week 4
3: that was exactly my same grievance you get a way better defense than what you had last year in New York and you add Ron Darby and you we have one of the worst defenses defenses we've ever had just mundane Nothing going on with our defense outside of Gilmore and Darby were the bright spots. Our linebacking and court was garbage. Our D lines dropping into coverage. That my grievance is Dennis Thurman as well.
1: No, I completely agree. I'll be honest. If I could have like a like a like a runner up for grievance of the year, it would be that <laughs> that Deadspin did too good of a job paying attention to the 2015 Buffalo Bills. Oh, playoffs. they were on
3: us. I loved reading oh. all of the articles. I cannot wait for what happens Sunday Oh, at the Cowboys home S- game.
1: Sunday. This week we get the Cowboys at home. The illustrious Kellen Moore. He calls Boise State his alma mater. I was a huge fan of his when he was in college. And I'll tell you this, he is not an NFL quarterback.
3: I totally forgot that... Just now that Kellen Moore is starting for the Cowboys. Where are all those callers calling to WGR in the last week of the preseason? We got to get Kellen Moore. He just waxed us in the last preseason game when we're throwing out scrubs. I mean, come on. Kellen Moore is a nobody.
1: Okay, but watch him put on a Kirk Cousins performance. If he carves us up. But that's because we got injuries. If he carves us up, I'll tell you what. I will tailgate my boxers.
3: For the final home game against the Jets. If he throws over
1: 300 yards this week,
3: I will tailgate my boxers. For the finale for against the finale. against the Jets. We'll hold, that. we'll hold that to you. The Cowboys and Bills game are uh, Sunday at 1 on Fox. Kenny Albert and Daryl Johnston. No Spiro Ew. Ditas. Hey, we you. might get spirititas for the Albert? Yeah, we might get Spiridus for the last home game. Kenny such CBS and Darryl, game.
1: Kenny Albert and Daryl Johnson, it's like showing up to a steakhouse and you
3: order pea soup. That's what I that, that's my takeaway. Or what I would do is I would order salmon. cuz I love salmon. You're disgusting. I get love it.
1: This I is love the same guy who drinks Maker's Mark with Coke, people. Yes. Don't buy any of his bullshit. Guys, I've had a lot of fun today. We've done a lot of cool stuff, but you know what? Happy holidays to everybody out there, everyone who's listening. God bless you and your families. And if you don't believe in that type of thing, well, then uh, God bless Cthulhu. You know? All hail.
3: <laughs> yep. And thanks to uh, Greg Trelone for joining us. And thank
1: you, Greg, for and,
3: showing up and, you know. And Kyle Smith from AFC East Bros.
1: Kyle, you're wonderful. Can't wait to hear from you again. Guys, we got to get out of here. So, I got nothing else. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been the Rockpile Report. Happy holidays, everybody.